Hi friends, welcome to Beyond the News, coming up on today's show. Oh, it's the first Friday in February, by the way. We'll be looking at the vaccine truth coming out from a variety of angles, from a variety of different platforms. Uh, even Carol Vorderman here in the UK is uh, coming at it from the business perspective of it. We're going to be listening to some Tucker Carlson, uh, listening to what seems to be, in his opinion, although he says he's not a lawyer, some illegal or unlawful behaviour from the US government by, um, that's his words, not mine, he'll say that at the end. And, and again, who knows, we shall see, the laws change all the time, but it's quite a, an unpleasant story that happened to uh, a fellow in the United States. Savjid Javid calls for uh, effectively beginning the privatisation of the NHS here in the UK. We're going to be hearing from US Senator Johnson in uh, two angles. Uh, one, he's going to be on a mainstream news, and the second, he's going. He's hosting a uh, what looks like some sort of inquiry or committee, and he's asked uh, an insurance person to give their view on things. Uh, according to the video, it's Ed Dowd and Josh Sterling testify to a 40% increase in excess mortality. But that's not all. There are excess mortality happening all over the place and we'll cover that that and much much more coming up on today's beyond the news so i own no copyright on any of the clips whatsoever the clip i'll be playing i will be playing from a facebook page and it will be a clip of carol vorderman on i think it's the this morning television program uh, if there's any copyright breaches, do email me beyondthenews at protonmail.com and I can take the episode down, edit it out and then re-upload it again. So own no copyright on any of the things that I'll be playing here today, um, nor do I make any profits uh, whatsoever from this podcast. Just merely an echo chamber of what's going on in the world. So let's begin with Carol Vorderman on This Morning. On Twitter, I've been talking about these issues for, for quite some time. And uh, there is um, an organisation called the Good Law Project, who are crowdfunded, they're excellent. And they've um, come uh, with this report about um, how uh, government is, has spent nearly £15 billion on useless PPE. Now, I cannot talk about useless PPE without also talking about Michelle Moan, who was brought into the House of Lords as a Baroness by David Cameron. We know she has taken leave of absence without losing the Tory whip to start with, because she was actively involved, as it goes, uh, with a company called PPE Medpro. Now, Michelle Moan, I knew many years ago, and then dropped her like a stone as soon as I realised what kind of person she was. Sue me, Michelle. And, uh, and so she uh, lives in the Isle of Man with her husband, Doug Barrowman who has been involved with numerous, and it's all accounted, it's all in the press. Carol, can I just say, she's not here to defend herself. No, she's herself. not here to defend herself, but I'm repeating what has been said in the press and has been proven to be true. Yeah. Where the guy, Anthony Page, who works for um, Knox Group, which is owned by Michelle Mann's husband, was uh, awarded, they only established as a company, registered as a company, Days after she recommended them through Michael Gove and Lord Agnew through this VIP lane. Now, 50 contracts were given 
and they were all recommended by Tories. None of them through the VIP lane were recommended by any other political party. We all know it's a scandal. She, uh, so there were two contracts awarded. One was for gowns for 122 million, which the Department of Health paid them. They're unusable. These are all facts. The Department of Health is now suing PPE MedPro. The National Crime Agency, the NCA, has raided all their offices wow. and so on. So the, the, the big question to be proven, which uh, is, was Michelle known actively involved and have they benefited? They bought a private jet after that. They bought a big yacht after that. But what can the government right. do now? What can the government right. do so, to, to ensure confidence? Because in that's one case. And like, you know, like that is one case. Can I mention so, another? Hang on a second, Jessica. So, you know, the department spent 8.9 billion during 2021, yeah. another 6 billion last year on supplies, including mask gowns for the NHS staff that proved unusable and now being broke. How you're incredibly well well informed and you you know, you, you go out of your way to research this stuff. Most people are at home. The numbers. Most people at home are just going, well, how is this possible? How and what is kind of possible? What, what kind of resolution can we get? From well, this? the biggest question is, was there corruption involved? In, in a number of these cases. And when we saw what happened, I believe, in the last three years is we've had one thing after another. We're worried about our families, worried about our, the elderly in our families, worried about whether when we would see them again, worried about our children because we had to homeschool them, worried about how their state schools then coped with things after that, worried about their mental health. And a lot of this has gone, gone under the radar because of that. So. Uh, one story might be raised, you know, one week and then it dies because there's another story for them. But you put it all together. And is there a pattern of internal corruption? I ask this question and I'm going to say it now because I am still bothered. I keep coming yeah. back to this. Rishi Sunak, our prime minister, co-founded a hedge fund called Thaleem and no one's talking about it. The Lean invested in the last few years one billion pounds in Moderna shares. Rishi Sunak said he has put all his assets into a blind trust. He has refused, and The Guardian was the last newspaper to report on this in November 2020. At that point, he refused to say whether he holds assets in the Lean and therefore in Moderna. So that man came out in front of 10 Downing Street. As our Prime Minister said, accountability, you know, transparency, all of this. If you are true to your word, Rishi Sunak, tell us, do you own, through Thaleem or any other mirrors, shares in Moderna? Because if you do, are we now talking about insider trade? We just want Trump. Ah, an interesting question there. Um... I've heard uh, about what Carol was talking about, but not done any research on it, so I won't comment on that. Next up, something a little bit more light-hearted. This is by Kirsten Robertson, Thursday the 2nd of February. It can't all be vaccine going into the mainstream. We can't have everything on the show like that. Got to have a little bit of uh, mixing up a bit. And here's a little bit of a happy story. Medieval coin hall worth £150,000, unearthed by amateurs, is declared treasure. A group of amateur detectorists are celebrating after their unlikely find of 600 medieval coins was declared treasure. The hall, believed to be the biggest found in a decade, it actually says in decade, not a, so um, <laughs> maybe uh, this is from the Metro, they should have someone proofreading that, I think. Or, or maybe it's a form of 
old medieval English that I'm unaware of and the joke's on me. Anyway, is worth £150,000. It was discovered by seven men on the Colden Four Estate in Buckinghamshire in April 2019. And this uh, was dated Thursday the 2nd of February, yesterday. Andrew Winter, Don Rapley, Eric Wyuki, um and some other names as well that uh, I will only butcher if I attempt to get them right. Even slept in a tent to prevent the coins being stolen. Their finds nicknamed the Hambledon Horde, including 12 rare gold nobles from the reign of Edward III. At an inquest last week at Beaconsfield Coroner's Court, senior coroner Crispin Button said the hoard met the criteria for treasure after reading a report by Dr Barry Cook, curator at the British Museum. They heard how the men, more used to digging up shotgun shells and thimbles than treasure, had been astonished to find coin after coin from the ancient hidden hoard. After four days, they excavated 627 coins, including the 12 extremely rare full gold nobles from the time of the Black Death. Oh, well, I hope they were. They didn't un- <laughs> unearth any uh, hidden organisms. If one of them people started to get uh, quite ill with lumps under their armpits on the next day, you'll have the question: uh, How long does the uh, Black Death last on something then before it dies off? Well, oh, at least uh, you know a few hundred years. We've got the answer now. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm we're going to read on though. I'm sure viruses and things like that can't live for that long but the rest of the hoard 547 silver pennies from the reigns of edward i and second 21 irish pennies 20 continental coins and 27 scottish pennies from the reign of alexander III, john Balliol, and robert the bruce were more commonly found so there we are a happier one and now we're going to go back to the vaccine <laughs> so um i've played clips before of senator johnson's hearing and um, he seems to be the only one really conducting any real, or at least uh, to my attention, inquiries with real experts, you know, being brought forward in a big room where everyone can sort of cross-examine and debate and all that sort of stuff. Basically what should be being done. Um, Senator Ron Johnson's the only one to doing it in any official capacity that I'm aware of, or at least in the, the Western world. And uh, here's some of that footage. The video, this is being played from Rumble, is Ed Down and Josh Sterling testify to a 40% increase in excess mortality, Senator Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine round table. Now I've queued it up, which is usually the kiss of death, so let's see if it works. Uh, my story's pretty simple. Our story's pretty simple. Josh has done some work as well. Um, the bottom line, can I get the next slide, please? Um, the bottom line is we saw 2020 pre-vaccine and 2021 and 22 post-vaccine. There was a mixed shift from 2020 to 21 of excess mortality from old to young. So in 2020, it was mostly old people. We also saw um, a mixed shift in uh, disability starting to rise in May of 21. Um, the excess mortality has shifted so much so that it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal what you see here in the charts before you. This is not my data, this is a society of actuaries. In 2021, in ages 25 through 64, the employed people of our nation covered under group life, they experienced a 40% excess mortality. As quoted by a CEO of an insurance company, just a 10% increase in excess mortality is a three standard deviation event or a once in a 200 year flood. So 40 is off the charts. Um, 
What's interesting about this is that the general overall population experienced 32% excess mortality. This group life uh, policyholder subset is much healthier in general than the overall population as done by st previous studies. They experienced mortality 30 to 40% that of the general population. So something flipped in 2021 by eight points. Go on to the next slide, please. Um, for disability, uh, this is the next data set is the U.S. Uh, Bureau, uh, U.S. Department of Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's pretty simple here. Uh, we saw disability take off in May of 2021 above averages. Uh, on Wall Street, we follow uh, statistical deviations. There was this three sigma event, three standard deviation, rate of change year over year. And what we found particularly interesting was that the employed uh, of our country experienced a 26% increase in the rate of disability versus the general population, which experienced 11%. To put some numbers on this, uh, one, uh, we're being very conservative on our start date. The number is probably much higher, but 1.2 million additional Americans in the employed segment of our population uh, left the workforce or get dis didn't leave the work, they got disabled. That is the size of the state of Wyoming and Vermont combined that disappeared from the labor force. So if you're seeing labor shortages all around the country, this might be one of the explanations. My conclusion and our conclusion at Finance Technologies is that the only thing that changed to detrimentally affect the employed versus the much less healthy pop, uh, general population is vaccines and mandates. Um, we're open to discussions to see what could be the possible causes. But what I find interesting and curious is this excess mortality continues, the disabilities continue, and our health authorities have no interest in uh, trying to figure out what's going on. This should be a national story in my mind. And then to, to end, uh, Denmark and the UK have already stopped their vaccination program. Uh, uh, Denmark under 50. Uh, they've now said no vaccines for anyone they'd rather you get COVID. The Denmark data, if you look at that, that was a disaster and excess mortality. So they saw something clearly that our U.S. health authorities should be seeing as well. The U.K. has uh, stopped the vaccination for under 12. So my question, Senator, is why are our health authorities still pushing this vaccine if other countries are backing off? That, that's a good question. Uh, next, we'll have Josh Sterling. Add on to what Ed has to say. Uh, thank you, Senator. So since early in the year, I've been uh, working with a group called the Insurance Collaboration to Save Lives, and it's a group of senior insurance executives from the life and health insurance industry who are very concerned about the rising mortality and morbidity, um, you know, both from internal data that they've been watching as well as the external data. And so as a bunch of, you know, actuaries and data-driven people, we've generated hundreds and hundreds of charts, looked at this every way from Sunday. Uh, but ultimately, you know, and of course what you imagine we've seen is things like rising morbidity from lots of different types of harm, from like blood clotting, uh, you know, female fertility issues, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, lots of, lots of nervous system and, uh, you know, cardiac and multi-system problems, lots of different signals. And to Ed's point, um, also very clearly continuing adverse mor uh, excess mortality. If you just look at the weekly numbers from the CDC, um, you see something like 10 to 15 percent excess mortality continuing as recently as the past few months. And so, you know, that's very troubling. But if we roll to the next slide, you know, the senator asked, you asked us to show just the one chart that tells the entire story. This is that chart. Um, the UK government 
until this summer was reporting a data series that showed the relative mortality rates for the vaccinated and unvaccinated by the number of doses of the vaccine. We've done what we think is really professional work with this, and we think it simplifies down to a conclusion that says that through the last available data set, the people in the UK who took the vaccine have a 26% higher mortality rate. The people who are under the age of 50 who took the vaccine now have a 49% higher mortality rate. And worst of all, um, the people who only took one dose of the vaccine have approximately 145% dose uh, worse mortality rate. That last data point is on its face confusing, especially because it seems like there's more mortality, you know, it just doesn't make a ton of sense unless you realize that what's going on with this really is that the people who took the dose, the first dose, in the United States, that's about 12% of people, but then stopped taking any other doses. Those people, through their choice to stop, disproportionately the ones who were harmed. And so what we're concluding is that if you happen to be an unlucky person who was in some fashion even moderately injured, minor, with a minor injury, you decided not to continue, the statistics, the best statistics we have, show that you're gonna have at least through today, maybe it'll get better, you know, and obviously we're all here because we're hoping to find treatments and cures and screening and interventions, you know, but if that doesn't happen, we have to assume that this is now the baseline, there's gonna be 145% higher mortality. And if you were to take these numbers and just apply them to the United States, that ends up being something like 600,000 excess deaths per year in the United States from this higher vaccine-induced mortality. And, you know, that's, that's obviously a really concerning thing and we're, I'm happy you called the meeting, and I, I'm, I know we all hoping to get to answers. Thank you. And again, I thought that statistic on single dose was pretty interesting because, let's face it, every, just about everybody knows somebody who took, uh, you know, the first dose and had a severe reaction, they're not going to take the second one, so. Oh, interesting. What do you make of that, then, with the, uh, the one dose being so high? Um, I think it's refreshing that someone comes to those sorts of hearings with data and they go this is a uh, this is just what it is and I'm not going to try and explain it to you just here's the numbers senator you know anyway here it is from another source this is from the daily mail now and it is by Sean Wooler on the 24th of January of this year 2023 massive spike in excess deaths sparks calls for an urgent investigation nhs crisis is blamed for nearly 3000 more brits than usual dying each week my first thoughts on the headline it may be blamed but would it be blamed by the same people who told you the vaccine was safe and effective and that lockdowns were a great idea i wonder who's doing that blaming 17,381 deaths registered in England and Wales in the seven days to January the 13th. This is the highest number of excess deaths since the UK's second Covid wave. Health experts say 999 delays, long A&E waits and backlogs could be to blame. I wonder when I scroll down to the comments section if their own readers agree with their analysis. Or the analysis of the health experts, I should say. Who are these health experts, I wonder? 
MPs have called for an urgent investigation into Britain's soaring death rates as thousands more people than usual are dying each week. Some 17,381 deaths were registered in England and Wales in the seven days to January the 13th, 2,837 above average for the time of year. This is the highest number of excess deaths since 3,429 in the week to February the 12th, 2021, when the UK was experiencing its second wave of COVID-19 infections and vaccination had only just begun. On that occasion, deaths involving coronavirus accounted for 37% of all those registered, according to the Office of National Statistics. But of course, we must always have the question of all, um, with and from, and we've uh, the Daily Mail has purported many things before where it said, oh, well, you know, we might, those numbers might not be accurate, and, um, you know, it might not. But we've all heard the stories of people, you know, what well, if you die within how many days was it of uh, testing positive, no matter what cause of run you are, you know, if you got hit by a bus or something like that, there were those that were put as COVID deaths because they'd had tested positive in the last X amount of time frame. Was it either 14 days, 28 days? I can't remember. I've covered it on this podcast before. So um, there's always those questions over from and with and uh, but you know in in my mind some of them did die of uh, covid we're just not sure of the, of the exact accounting methods used uh, because it was all uh, quite well there were questions about it isn't there um and they mention it goes on to mention but in the most recent week covid-19 accounted for just 5% of the total meaning other factors are likely to be driving the high level of mortality Health experts say this could include ambulance delays, long waits in A&E, unmet need during the pandemic and major backlogs for routine NHS care. Now, I have no doubt that with the NHS in crisis, all of those that they've previously mentioned are a contributing factor. We've read out on this podcast before sad stories of people that have died after waiting 16 hours for an ambulance or died in corridors waiting to see a, you know, a, a health person. So uh, I've no doubt that there will be those. But um, I'm having a little bit of trouble believing that those are accounting for that high number of excess deaths. And I'm sure my listeners will know where my mind goes to for the rest. Let's now scroll. So I'll just read a little bit more before scrolling down to see if the commenters on the Daily Mail agree with me. (laughs) Let's first see if they've been moderated. Excess deaths, sometimes known as extra deaths, are the number of deaths that are above the average for the same period in previous years. This winter has seen a sharp spike in the figures, with deaths 21% and 20% above average in the last two weeks of December, followed by 14% and 20% in the first two weeks of January. We're going to be listening to uh, a Sky News clip. Um, Again, I own no copyright on it that was uh, on my Beyond the News Telegram group, which is at Beyond the News Gym. If you want to go and see what's on there. Now let's now scroll down. The, sorry, the Royal College of Emergency Medicine has warned up to 500 people a week are dying as a result of ambulance and treatment delays. So that's 500 a week. That's, uh, well, we shall see, won't we? We shall see. Let's scroll down now. And, you know, it's interesting that they really don't mention the one thing that we, you know, what really is different, because the NHS has been in crisis for quite some time, but admittedly it is in particularly 
bad states at the moment. So I've no doubt that it is particularly bad at the moment. But uh, let's see where they go. Okie dokie. Up. This is the best rated. Up. 6114. Down 237. So from memory, that's a very high interaction rate. A lot of people upping this comment. Very few down. Very, very polarised. So, um, yeah. And so this is from On Skid Row in, in North Wales. So, and here's his comment. And still no one will address the obvious reason. This has been exploding since April 2022, running at over 15% right through the summer. We have had lockdowns, heat waves, cold snaps, NHS strikes, all blamed, but virtually no one is prepared to at least pose the question, why are people under the age of 50 having art issues at greater rates than ever? It's crazy. Yes. Yes, those are my thoughts. Let's uh, have a little... Um, there we go. And next one is up fourth. Oh, I should probably see if they've been moderated. Uh, the comments below have not been moderated. There we are. So be careful and think hard. Uh, sorry, it's up 4369, down 193. Be careful and think hard about what you accept into the body. Yes, I think where we can see where this is going, can't we? Um, next one is uh, 3801, down 140. If you know, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think me and the Daily Mail readers are on the same page with that. But they've gone one step beyond now to also go, we think it's that. And we also have, point, have noted that the Daily Mail's listed everything but what we think it is. So just if you, and that in itself is going to be a nice awakening process for a lot of people because a lot of people are still in the, they, they've gone from the, I'm going to take my vaccine to, I'm not going to take my vaccine because, um, yeah, I think there's something wrong with it. But they're still in the, well, they probably rushed it, made an honest mistake about everyone's best interests at heart. I'm sure when um, everyone realises what mistake it was, there'll be full inquiry, people will be held to account and we'll never do this again. And those people are going to be waiting for quite a long time for that to happen. And the first step in that is, why is the Daily Mail and pretty much all the other mainstream press saying it's anything other than what pretty much the anyone who's able to think critically would think is really quite obvious that the change is? Namely the vaccine, the new, well, is it really a vaccine? The mRNA injection, I think that would be more accurate to say that. So um, now it's worth pointing out that a lot of people, who, the vast majority of people who took the vaccine uh, are fine uh, for now. But it is also worth pointing out that this excess death is happening all over the place. And I think it's pretty obvious what it is. And I don't really the social media, you know, a lot of people were, when they said, don't take the vaccine, it's bad for you. Oh, you're a nutter. When everyone's going, oh, there's excess death and it's the vaccine. People don't seem to be arguing that anymore. They just go quiet and the booster rates ever seem to more and more decline. And the mainstream media and other agencies, there's a Facebook ad that popped up on my thing today. Oh, 
if you're NHS thing, best way to protect yourself in the winter is to get vaccinated. And the uh, there were three icons, uh, more than that, but on the masses, they bring it down to the top three, don't they? So top three icons. This is just going from memory of what I saw a couple of days ago. Um, it was likes around 1,200. It was anger around 800 and laughter about 1400 so if you assume laughter and anger were were what you'd be referring to as I don't think I agree with that statement whether you think it's funny or you're angry at it compared to yeah we agree with that statement being like it looks like there's been a massive shift. Now, also worth bearing in mind that the sort of people that would jump on that would be those that tend to towards the anti-COVID vaccine sort of thing. I think a lot of people now who were pro-vaccine are now just, I'm not going to take any more and I don't want to get involved. I don't want to even think about it anymore. So that's worth pointing out. But um, a very, very, I saw very, very different numbers on those likes basically positive versus negative things a year ago or uh, even yeah possibly two years ago now when it first started rolling out 2021 so we've come a long way since then and let's just have a little bit of the worst rated let's go and see what the worst rated comments were on this so up one two five down five six seven could be those anti-vaxxers kicking the bucket there are more than a few, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that is what you call a pro-vax statement. And they just are so silly. And so easily... This is the thing. Your neutral-minded, critical thinkers are going to look at that and go, well, hang on, they just said earlier that it's not COVID. So why would an anti-vaxxer be kicking the bucket you're just on the face of it I mean you can debunk that in two levels Uh, but the first one would be what anti-vaxxers are kicking the bucket why because they didn't get the vax that's your point right that's you know that that would be why anti-vaxxers are kicking the bucket because they haven't had the vax and if they haven't had the vax they're dying of covid right because that's all the vaccine is meant to protect yourself from even if you accept that and in their mind but you were just told earlier that it's not covid and we're going to play another a video at the moment where it says it, it's not covid so that debunks it at just the basic common sense level but the second one is if you look at the stats at who's dying it's the ones that have had the vax and we've pulled out those numbers from the uk and from australia so again just a common sense yeah but it's the bell curve distribution, you know, and there are some people who are not able to think critically and it just, they're just not going to accept reality. But these people are getting fewer and fewer and fewer. So let's have a little uh, look down to um, the next one. Up 38, down 398. We should still be in lockdown. I've just seen sacked from work for my health anxiety because they're back to normal. 
Yeah, he said seen. I think he meant been. We should still be in lockdown. Again, these people just publicly display that they've been propagandised because the numbers suggest lockdowns are counterproductive. But they don't want to think for themselves. They don't. They spent a lot of time arguing with anti-lockdown people on Facebook. That's their tribe now. That's their people. They're just not going to accept that they and their tribe were completely wrong. It's too much for them, I think. Just that can be the only thing that it is now, ego and just, but you, you get these people in life, but there are fewer and fewer and fewer of them. But they're going to go all the way down. There's nothing that's going to change them now, I wouldn't have thought. So those people that aren't going to be changing their minds, what people need to focus on, I think, is the critical thinkers who are going from, I don't think I'll take that jab, to, well, I think it was all a bit rushed and everything like that, and going to, if it was rushed and it was a mistake, why are they not correcting their mistake and why are they not putting an inquiry in place to find out what went wrong so it wouldn't happen again? Those are the critical thinkers that you can focus on. The the sorts that make the comments on the, the Daily Mail site, I don't think you're going to get through to them by now. Um, the next one down is, there is an ageing population, this is to be expected. Again, mate, yes, a fair point made but it wouldn't account for a jump over the two years that and that exact jump has happened <laughs> exactly with the rollout of the vax and to be fair the um i mean the real steep decline of the nhs i i am sure that that is a contributing factor but not the sole cause so yes it would be an aging population so you would uh, you you would expect the graph to just go up slightly. I mean, that is a fair point that he's made. It is an aging population, but it wouldn't account for such a steep drop like that at all. Um, and it wouldn't account for what we heard Ed Dowd and Josh Sterling testify to a once in a generation event, you know. And of course, other previous once in a generation events have been war, you know, those sort of math death things. So again. It, it's it's that you can just tell it's, they they're going there. I've got a I've got a point to make, and you yep. And here we go. I'm going to make that point, and it probably is contributing to maybe one or two percent. You know, there is an aging population. Um, that is a fair comment. So it's like I've got something clever to say, and I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say my clever reason because I know it can account for a couple of percent, and I'm just gonna think it's going to account for everything and that mindset it's like i'm clever enough to figure that one or two percent out and therefore i don't need to even consider what the other 98 percent may be considered for because i'm clever enough to have figured out that one or two percent you've all i'm sure we've all met these people before so yeah that's unfortunate and here now of course with a gen uh, a population getting sicker and sicker, there's money to be made for it, at least according to Sajid Javid. Money, of course, that would merely go back into the NHS to help its funding. Um, because, of course, all our taxpayer money is spent on other things. So, 
Sajid Javid calls for patients to pay for GP and A&E visits. Radical reforms needed to tackle waiting time, says former health secretary. Um, radical reforms, not extra funding. <laughs> yes, and we'll, uh, well, there are a number of people around the Tories, shall we say, that seem to have investments in private healthcare firms. I've read some of them out on the podcast before. But radical reforms that would benefit my mate. But, you know, they'd benefit everyone, wouldn't they? Benefit everyone. Don't worry about the extra, um, you know, we'll give our MPs the extra pay rise, not the uh, not the people in the streets. Not, not sorry, not the nurses, not not the nurses that the people in the streets clap for. That was I going to say. Yes, let the nurses pay their rents with round of applause. That will help boost morale, won't it? No, patients should be charged for GP appointments and A and E visits. Sajid Javid has said as he called the present model of the NHS unsustainable. Um. Well, he may be right in his analysis that there is a problem but privatisation might not be the best solution have you seen Breaking Bad and what a privatised healthcare system can lead to I'm sure all those private companies will put healthcare above profit Before, I don't think this is this just isn't going to happen I, I think the Tories are going to be hell bent on driving it into the ground and saying well privatisation is the only answer and I I think it will be running the ground, but I don't think that the British people will stand for it. I think that might be what the one red line in the sand that actually gets the British to put down the tablets and the YouTube and the Facebook and go, you want to charge me how much for something that used to be free? Where have you done with my taxes? You've given it off to this, that, the other, and all that kind of stuff. Ugh, I don't think they're going to get away with this. But this is going to be like a, a 10-year war of attrition for hearts and minds, I think. Uh, we shall see. So the former health secretary said, extending the contributory principle should be part of radical reforms to tackle growing waiting times. Extending the contributory principle. Now, I know that you've already paid for it once. We need to extend it so you pay for it twice. And don't ask where your first lot of money went to. All right. Well, you can ask, but just won't tell you. Because that this is so the defence of the NHS will unite all factions of the political spectrum. You'll have the right wing and the left wing. Um, you'll have the um, the awake, the non-awake, all joined to defend the NHS. Here, this this is not going to go well for them. Which means, I think, a if it continues down this road just in time for election time, I think you could then have the worst Labour Party in the world run by the worst Labour leader in, the, in history and they could get into an election. And then they could go and do anything they wanted, saying that they have the mandate to do it, 15-minute cities, blah, 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 all various left-wing agendas. And as long as they keep the NHS public and not privatise it, 
they would probably have the support of the British people. Well, yeah, I don't care if I can't leave more than 15 minutes away from my house now without getting permission, but we saved the NHS, didn't we? And at least the Tories aren't in control anymore. That's what I see coming down the pipeline. Anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is not currently considering the proposal, Downing Street told the newspaper. Something a little bit more light-hearted now, sort of, I suppose, depends on your point of view. By Tom Ambrose, again from The Guardian now. Tuesday, 17th of January 2023, BBC apologises for pornographic prank during FA Cup football coverage. Mobile phone hidden in studio by prankster emitted loud moaning cries during live broadcast. The BBC has apologised after its coverage of the FA Cup football match was marred by pornographic noises being played loudly while its presenters were live on air. Gary Lineker, the host, later said in a tweet that the moaning noises came from a hidden mobile phone which had been taped to the back of the set in the studio looking out over the pitch of Wolverhampton Wanderers' Molyneux Stadium. If it was just audio could it not have been someone just really enjoying a good meal i mean i've made those sort of mm, oh this is good fish and chips oh yeah oh that's going down nicely oh oh yeah i'll have a bit of tartar sauce on that oh lovely jubbly maybe my innocent mind is incorrect who knows we shall see all right now we're going to listen to a bit of Tucker Carlson and he's going to be interviewing this guy that runs a UFO blog and listen to his story. Laura Garnu runs a blog covering the U.S. military base in Nevada, long known as Area 51. The website is dreamlandresort.com. Arnu has written extensively on his blog about Area 51's connection to government black projects. In November, Arnu's two homes in Rachel and in Las Vegas were raided by more than a dozen armed agents from the FBI and the Air Force's counterintelligence division. Arnu told us that the search related to images he posted on his website. Jorg Arnu is an expert, as we said, in Area 51, and we're happy to have him join us tonight. Jorg, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so given that we have freedom of the press in this country and you're, you're allowed to report on whatever you want, what was the pretext for the government coming to your house with guns? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Uh, I believe the reason for this search was that supposedly I took photos of Area 51 or I published photos of Area 51 on my website, which is something I have done for 20 years. Uh, without anyone really taking issue with that. And all of a sudden, this thing comes out of the blue, crashing down on my homes. I really still don't have an explanation. I can't get a hold of anyone. Um, three doors were kicked in. A country gate was busted. Um, my girlfriend was dragged out of the house in Las Vegas. I was dragged out of the house in Rachel. And nobody can give us any answers. So when you came to this country, I don't know where you're originally from, but I can see that you're an immigrant to this country. Did you imagine that people with guns could just show up at your house, take things from your home, physically manhandle you, and you'd never get answers as to why they were doing it? Absolutely not. I would have never expected this. If you would have told me three months ago that this could happen, I would have said absolutely impossible. I am really shocked 
that this can happen to a uh, cooperating, innocent senior citizen who is really just wanting for, uh, looking for a peaceful retirement and who has a little hobby on the side to run a blog about Area 51. That's all I'm doing. Part of what I'm doing on my website is actually telling people how to stay out of trouble. There's directions on the website so that people know where they can go and where they cannot go. So in fact, I'm, I'm trying to kind of help the government you know, keep the, the, the loonies out of there. When we had this crazy Storm Area 51 event, I spoke up against it. I was, you know, I was all for the government. We are not, our, the group around my website is not about exposing any secrets. We want to uh, spread the word about how fascinating the military aviation is, the world of black projects, and we try to get a glimpse of what's going on. That is fascinating for us. We are not out to sell our stuff to the Russians or to the Chinese or to whoever. That's not us. That's not me. And yes, I am totally shocked that this can happen. Um, to some degree, I have lost a little bit of faith in the justice system in this country. And I would really like to know who is behind this. Yeah, you would. Uh, most people who intersect with the justice system lose faith in it fairly quickly. Uh, last quick question. Have you been charged with anything? I have not been charged with anything. I cannot get a hold of anyone at the FBI. I have actually uh, uh, hired a lawyer who uh, similarly cannot get a hold of anyone at the FBI. The only reaction I got was when I filed um, for, uh, um, uh, to be reimbursed for the damages to my homes. Um, I very quickly got it denied. That was all I got. And I would like to get my property back, $25,000 in damages and my property that was seized. Um, I have uh, about $6,000 in legal damages. So I've actually started a GoFundMe page. And if anyone is so inclined, I would appreciate uh, some help. Uh, the link is on my website. I don't know what's going on. I want to know what's going on, but yeah. nobody's talking to me. I don't think, I'm not an attorney, but I don't think the FBI is allowed to trash your house and steal things from you without charging you with the crime. So I, I certainly hope you prevail. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're going to. Thank you very much. So I didn't play. Oh. So I didn't play that in the sense that, oh, look, look what they've done. Aliens must be real. That guy must be on something. I don't get involved in the whole uh, aliens um, debate thing. That's not my cup of tea. No, I was playing that from the point of view of I don't think that sort of stuff should happen in a democracy. Now, it is entirely possible that the uh, US government listens to that and goes, oh, yeah, you're right, we can't do anything without charging anything. Find something to charge him with. <laughs> so it's possible that that may happen. But I was bringing it up to the point of view of, you know, that's not the kind of place that America should be and that Western democracy should be, really. So I would have played that clip, whether the guy was running an Alien 51 Area 51 website or whether he was, you know, train spotter or something. Put through someone's door. Give me the timetable of the 1051 to New York, you know, or anything like that, you know. that that's the That was the angle I was going with. So now we've got, uh, again, something, a little move away from all the tyranny and vaccine stuff. 
little bit of science. This is the sort of stuff that I would like to do if I didn't have all the vaccine stuff to and the tyranny to cover. This sort of interesting stuff, you know, that you might not get on the television. So it's by Hannah Devlin, science correspondent for The Guardian. A lot of Guardian stuff here tonight. That's nice because on previous podcasts I've been aware that I've been reading out quite a few articles from the, the mail and I just like an eclectic mix. I don't really like to give any... I like to draw everything from the right and the left in equal measure. So, Dark Energy Chameleon Trap wins a £100,000 prize for Nottingham scientist. Ingeniously simple lab experiment led by Professor Claire Burridge, recognised by Blavavanik Awards. So dark energy is the enigma at the heart of modern physics. The universe is supposed to be awash with the stuff, but it has never been seen and its nature is unknown. When faced with mystery of such epic proportions, simply eliminating certain options is considered a success. This week, such an advance using an ingenious simple desktop experiment was recognised by the prestigious. And that's where I'll end it because I'm not registered to read The Guardian. But there you go. There's still some... um, So... Go and register and see what a dark energy chameleon trap is. I get visions of Ghostbusters. You know, where they, what, what do they call it? Egon rolls them out and it presses the button and it zaps the ghosts into it. Could it be something like that, I wonder? Probably not. Next, more science type stuff. Well, animal behaviour this time. And again, from The Guardian. Nicola Davies, uh, 24th of January of this year. Humans able to understand each other's... Oh, sorry. Humans able to understand other apes better than thought, research suggests. Study from St Andrews University gauges ability of people to interpret bonobo and chimpanzee gestures. We may not be able to strike up a conversation, debate politics or chat about the meaning of life with other great apes, but our ability to understand one another might be greater than once thought. Researchers have discovered adult humans can discern the meaning of gestures produced by bonobos and chimpanzees, despite not necessarily using such gestures themselves. So, there. Nice. Nice. More communications with our animal brethren. And... Here's a here's a more odd one for you. I wouldn't say this is science or or gloom and doom or tyranny. Just an odd story that I thought I'd share with you. It's from the Mirror and it's by Zahana Eklund on the twenty third of January. Woman spots late husband dining in Indian restaurant nine years after death. A woman has claimed to have spotted her late husband among the diners in a recently filmed promotional video for an Indian restaurant, despite him passing away in 2014. A woman has left social media users baffled after she claimed to have spotted her late husband in a new promotional video for a local Indian restaurant, despite him passing away nine years ago. Spice Cottage, a restaurant in the village of Westbourne, West Sussex, posted a video to its Facebook page last week, which showed tables packed with diners enjoying their favourite dishes. Oh. We have become overrun with adverts. I'm going to have to close some of these down now to continue reading. I don't know if the microphone picks it up, but it isn't half making the old computer world as well. Right, let's see if we can... It's really not helpful, the mirror. It's just endless adverts now, and they're not closing. Right, finally. I'll read it now before another one pops up. Right. 
But in the comments of the video, one flabbergasted woman asked when the foot. Actually, that's probably the price I pay for not having to register, isn't it? See, The Guardian, I can only read so much without registering. But <laughs> the other ones, <laughs> got to click all the ads. So there you go. It's the price I pay for not registering. There we are. Just thought about that. But anyway, one flabbergasted woman asked when the footage was filmed because she claimed to have spotted her late husband and his son among the diners, even though he died in 2014. It goes on to continue. The video was posted to the Spicebook Facebook page on January the 16th, alongside the caption, New Year, New Mood. For the f last few weeks, we've been working hard to make our dining experience even more memorable. Join us for a perfect blend of exquisite flavours with classical and unique dishes inspired by ancient family recipes. And in the comments, a woman named Lucy Watson asked, How old is the footage? My late husband and his son are on the first shot, and he died in 2014. While it would be impossible for the restaurant to have... Sorry. While it wouldn't be impossible for the restaurant to have used old footage for their promotional video, the owners of the establishment insisted the video had been filmed earlier in the month and wasn't nine years old. Replying to Lucy, they wrote, Hi Lucy Watson, sorry to hear this, the footage was recorded last week. As of the time of writing, the woman has not responded to the Facebook post with any further information, but her original comment has left her. So there you go. This could have just been a prankster. I was hoping to read this and I was hoping, have the mirror even reached out to this Lucy Watson? Isn't that what a journalist should do? Anyway, should they not? I thought as I would read these, because often I get the headlines and I go, right, I'll get that, put that in the, the website and I'll read it through and give you my reaction of reading it out. Some I read all the way through if it's quite a serious one or, it, you know, allegations or something like that. But something that might be a little bit quirky, I tend to not. I was hoping that they would at least. Would you not reach out? Otherwise, that could just be. People babble on Facebook nonsense all the time. Oh, might not have been as interesting as I thought it was. Interesting that it wasn't just him, but his son, because everyone has um, people that really look like them. I remember almost 20 years ago, someone got very angry with me in a pub um, because they claimed that I'd lost a pool tournament to them or a pool game for money in Ireland and not paid up. I've never been to Ireland, but, you know, I thought they might just be trying it on. But this person was absolutely adamant. And the fact that well, I was playing Paul at the time was... <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, I convinced it wasn't me. And by the end, he was telling me... So I got convinced that he really did think that, you know. Uh, so, oh, interesting. But, so do, my point is, you know, you can gang get people that really, really look like you. And doppelgangers. I mean, you know, you've got uh, the whole lookalike industry based on it, haven't you? But to see them and his son, that would be interesting. But given the fact that it's just some woman leaving a Facebook comment, I mean, it could be a practical joker, for all we know. I was hoping the Mirror would have at least reached out to her for comment and, you know, gone round there and gone, can we see the pictures of your late husband? Oh, yeah, it does look like him in that promotional video, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it does look like his son. But no, the Mirror is just... The mirror is just reporting what Facebook has said, and therefore I'm just reporting what the mirror has said. Oh, a little bit of a disappointment, that story. Right, let's, let's go to something that are never disappointing. 
Kittens and Cats. So this is from the, again from The Guardian, Nicola Davies, Thursday the 26th of January. Feeling Feline uncertain. That's The Guardian's joke, not mine. Cats do give clues if the fur's about to fly, study finds. Study of 105 pairs of interacting felines decodes the cat behaviour that puzzles humans and flags up the unsubtle battle cry of claws and yowling. When cats get together, it can be difficult to tell rough and tumble play from a full-blown scrap. Now researchers say they have decoded feline behaviour to help owners spot when the fur might be about to fly. Dr Noma Gadjos Kemakova first author of the research from the University of Veterinary Medicine and Pharmacy in Slovakia, cat owner herself, said understanding feline interactions could be difficult. So you can go and register the garden and see what those reactions could be. Uh, next one up now. A little bit of a trip through history, but I think it's important to today. It's by Oliver Bullau, Friday the Feb... Friday the 6th of February 2015. Welcome to Ukraine, and again from the Guardian. Welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation in Europe. While the conflict with Russia heats up in the east, remember this is 2015, life for most Ukrainians is marred by corruption so endemic that even hospitals appear to be infected. Can anyone clean the country up? Ukraine's National Cancer Institute occupies three smoke grey six-storey blocks in a residential district on the edge of Kiev. The external walls are tiled with occasional scars where the bricks peep through. When Soviet workmen completed the facade, they built the date 1968 into it. Since then, maintenance appears to have been erratic. Nonetheless, the business at the Institute has always been brisk and is getting brisker. Half of Ukraine's men and a fifth of its women smoke. The national diet is heavy with animal fat. The national drink is vodka. Radiation from the Chernobyl disaster spread thyroid cancers throughout the 1980s generation, increasing the incidence among children tenfold. There are few family doctors, which means the breast, prostate and bowel tumours often go undetected for months. Anyway, so there you go. The Guardian's calling it the most corrupt nation on earth. I wonder if anything has changed in the last eight years. And another weird story now. And it is, I'll just do it quickly. Helen Scales, Wednesday the 1st of February, again for The Guardian. Discovered in the deep, the anglerfish with vampire-like sex lives. A deep trawl has brought up a potentially new species of fish whose extreme mating methods include permanent physical fusion. I sometimes describe anglerfish as looking like a satanic potato, says James McLean, senior curator of fish at London's Natural History Museum, who believes a new species of the fish may have been discovered. Many anglerfish are globular and lumpy in shape. They may have long prongs sprouting from their forehead with a glowing tip that lures prey into their enormous juice. So anyway, they've discovered a new fish. I'm now going to finish more or less where we started, at least with the same bloke. This again is Senator Ron Johnson, the guy that's hold, holding the hearings on a what looks like Fox News television programme and the three hosts of the show. <laughs> You'll have to go to at Beyond the News Gym and join the Telegram group to see or, or find this clip elsewhere for yourself. The looks on their faces. Um, have a listen. Listen, we all wanted these vaccines to end the pandemic. They didn't. They were not as effective and certainly not as safe as we all hoped and prayed. They don't prevent infection. They don't prevent transmission. But nobody will admit they were wrong. 
because the body count is way too high. They sabotaged early treatment. They completely mishandled the, uh, uh, the pandemic response. We shut down schools. Sweden didn't. Not a child in Sweden died. Uh, you actually have lower infection rates uh, when you're around kids, we're starting to find out. So, I mean, through, through the hubris, uh, through just the arrogance of people like Fauci and people that are, uh, uh, were in charge of our response, we completely mishandled this. And no, nobody at this point in time will admit they're wrong. And quite honestly, uh, people who, who got the, the vaccine also don't really want to know that uh, there may be some real issues here. So we are in a complete state of denial. Uh, but people have to start facing reality, and that starts with the federal health officials, which they are not doing. I've written close to 50 oversight letters, and I've basically gotten the back in the hand of uh, people like uh, Walensky and, and other federal health officials. Uh, transparency, honesty has to begin uh, sooner rather than Listen, we are... So that's... Oh, I thought it was going to replay there. So it's interesting there where he says the complete state of denial, because the science really is there. And I wish you could see the faces of the people there. Um, the closest thing I can come to describe it is in Game of Thrones, where there, there's that big battle at the wall at the Night's Watch. And um, I won't don't want to give any spoilers or anything like that, but there, there's just a, a point where right, there's this big battle and the... Uh, the, the the people inside the castle are being attacked by other people outside trying to get in and the people outside have got giants with them and one of the people inside who happens to be a nasty person no, no one really likes um, one of the, his subordinates is saying we need to uh, cave in the tunnel so they, they can't get through otherwise the, giant, the giants are going to go and kick the gate in and even though the giants are attacking the gate, the um, person in charge, a typical archetype of, you know, unlikable person in charge and the subordinates right and isn't being listened to by our superiors, that classic archetypal storytelling. Um, even though he sees the giants coming to attack the gate, he just goes, no such thing as giants. He just goes back to his programming, his beliefs, what he's been told. Giants are just fairy tales. No such thing as giants. No such thing as giants. And you can see the look of fear in his face. No such thing as giants. Just repeating itself, wanting it to be true. It's a similar look, in my humble opinion. And I've got no, you know, expert skills in reading body language at all. But it just looks like a similar look on the faces of those mainstream media people listening to Senator Johnson. We've got to listen to you. You're a senator and it's our mainstream media. You know, we, we've been told to, you know, look up and listen to people like you. But what you're saying must be a conspiracy theory. We've been ridiculing people who have been saying that for months. So it just can't be true. It, it just can't be. We can't wait to have another senator on who says people like you are just crazy conspiracy theorists because no such thing as giants. Safe and effective. That's my take on the looks of the people on that mainstream. But it's breaking more and more now about the excess deaths and all such things. So stay tuned to be on the news for um, more more news. <laughs> that was a letdown to <laughs> to end the show. For more news that you might not necessarily see on the TV or it might not be pointed out too much. And I'm yes, I'm fully aware that that was a clip from Fox News, but you get where I'm going with that. You can, if you still say to people what that Senator Ron Johnson was saying, there are still people out there. We read the comments from the Daily Mail earlier. There's still people out there 
that think this vaccine stops transmission. That went, that belief went months ago. Even their own Pfizer people tell you that. So, but there are still people who think that that's true. No such thing as giants. Anyway, thank you very much for uh, joining me here today at Beyond the News. Do listen to me have a whinge again sometime if you like this one. Cheers.